on another planet far from Earth is a being called Rage. A castaway from another planet, he's now here. Half bear, half man. He escaped apocalyptic war on his home planet. He reluctantly fled, desperate for resources and reinforcements. However, the Jackals had other plans. They followed Rage through a wormhole and now want to rule over Earth as well. Go now to IndiePlanet.com or click the link in the podcast description for issues 1 to 3. For the complete story, and now, new off the press, special issue Rage number 4. All shall beware of Rage. All right, everyone. Hambo is back. Did you miss me? I'm in the studio here with the real mic here. Uh, the real mic. Mic check. And mic check two. Uh, yeah, boy, it's been uh, a hot, sweltering month. It is July, so that, that is expected. Uh, it's been pretty humid where I'm at and a lot has gone down um, a lot and I saw a few movies and I just never had a chance to review them for you because it's just been work work and more work and then go see this movie and then go back to work work oh yeah uh, UFOs work work just all sorts of things going on this month is way too packed okay way way too packed uh, it's just they try to fit too much into the month of july this year uh, it's and i really feel that especially with the movies and uh it's all just packed together i mean indiana jones mission impossible uh oppenheimer all this kind of stuff and i just Give me a break, guys. It's like, give me a break. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be on top of these movies sometimes, you know, the big ones. But it's just like, come on. Come on, guys. I got a job. I got a regular job. All right? <laughs> and the pod bean does not pay. Okay? All right? I love you guys, but, uh, you know, the 12 listeners, <laughs> not making it happen. Hey, whose fault is that? It's Hambo's fault. It's right. Where are the guests, Hambo? Where are the guests? All right. Where is the cons the uh, consistent same uh, time each week, same day? Where are you, Hambo? We need you. We need the ham. Well, it's the last day of July, and I'm going to give you the the full ham, and I hope you're ready for it. Because I'm going to go right into it. Um, first of all, I was going to do, and I, I still am. I'll, st I'll do a Dead Reckoning review. 
And I'm going to give you a, a two for one. I'm going to do an Oppenheimer review. So this might actually go the distance. It'd be a full half hour. So let's see. Uh, first, first order of business. And the first order of business we all need to be discussing. Okay. Now, Hambo doesn't like to talk about the politicking and all that. But it's, it's, it bleeds through, it bleeds over into entertainment. And, uh, well, first of all, the hearing at, at the Congress, okay, of the UFOs and uh, David Grush, uh, Graves, and Fravor, which is so hard to not say flavor <laughs> or favor. Can you do me a flavor? You know, can you do me a flavor? <laughs> That's got to get annoying for him. But three authentic individuals. Uh, definitely uh, Fravor, I know the most. I've seen him interviewed the most. And being, uh, and they're just coming out and supporting everything they said. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's amazing that it wasn't covered... Uh, a lot more in the beginning but once it got that momentum uh, the you know the internet uh, news and all that then then CBS and all the big ones caught on but uh, yeah it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy stuff I mean yeah we don't have full evidence now but I mean think about you got to think about how hard it is to get the evidence because I mean, you got to take something from a craft, bring it over there, all right? And you got to get clearance on all that, and all the shady people that are like, "Wait, what? Are you, what are you doing? Where are you taking it? You're gonna show Congress? No, we can't have that. Uh, kill them." <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, I've seen some of these videos that they're coming out and showing. Oh, these are the these are the aliens, and it's. This one guy came out with a video saying, "Here, this this is the aliens taken in the '90s," and it's it looks good and creepy, all right, with the alien head kind of like a bulbing alien head and all that, and they they have like for some reason this alien is being worked on by other doctors because it was a crashed alien or whatever that was still hanging out, still you know trying to live and all that. But you gotta remember, back in the early '90s, we had movies like Communion. All right, we we had movies like, um, well, Fire in the St Sky didn't come out till like mid '90s, but we all sorts of alien kind of movies that were pr using practical, uh, using practical uh, pyro pyrotechnics, but. You know what I mean, like Muppets and all that, Stan Winston stuff, you know, and it's hard to watch it and be like, well, you know, yeah, okay, they labeled it at a certain time and they weren't, uh, and the guy's pointing out, well, we, you know, wouldn't be labeled like this, but it's like when they go in for the close up on the aliens, like, yeah, let's say it's real. Let's say that's a real video, like that's the real deal. When they go in for the close-up, it looks kind of puppetry. Puppetry, it looks kind of like something Stan Winston Winston can do. 
uh, he could have done at the time. So it's like, let's say, okay, it was the real deal, and it still kind of looked like that just because of the nature of the alien. It just looks kind of phony. That's just how it comes off. Would we ever buy it by seeing that clear of a video of, of an alien? Because of all the puppetry that we've seen on, in movies throughout the years, even if it was the real deal. That's a tough one, you know? So let's say, okay, okay, we got the alien. The alien's in the courtroom. All right, he's right there. He's in Congress. That was probably, that's what it's going to take, you know? And then even then, people would say like, well, that's some fakery. It's somebody in a suit. That's some kind of a, a robot, you know? Because... I mean, we've done stuff that's looked pretty good. Um, it's interesting, an inter interesting psychological debate. Uh, I guess we could, I, if they had, they showed the ship, like one in the ship of the of the UFOs, doing like, uh, you know, super sci-fi stuff. That would be what it would take, I guess. Yeah, or or something. Yeah, it would probably be a ship because. Aliens, even if they come out and they show them, it's like, well, that can be doctored. That could be fake. You know, and then you had the big jokes on us kind of thing. So it's a weird area. If there's a lot to think about, a lot of different levels to it. Um, I don't think they're lying. You know, they're pretty authentic. And if, if they're all lying and they're putting their careers on the line like that, because uh, the purge, perjury kind of laws. So it's unbelievable. It's pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, which begs the question, if we were being lied to or the, the truth uh, not being, they weren't being transparent, the government and all that, then what else are they not being transparent about? And who's really got the control in this land, in this great nation or in the world? Again, I don't want to go too far down deep the rabbit hole. You can find that in other channels. But old Hambo here is giving you what he thinks, right or wrong. But it's his unique perspective. And uh, it's a fascinating time. We'll see what happens next. Uh, I recommend, uh, in the meantime, you guys listen to some awesome old Art Bell episodes on YouTube. You can find them. Just type in Art Bell. All sorts of stuff will come up. I've heard there's also some stuff on. Uh, you can find some of his libraries, other and other platforms. I guess it's the word he used. The platforms. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty amazing stuff. So that that kind of clouds the movie reviews a little bit. That's like, that's the first order of business. Should get that out of the way. Uh, I'm sure I'll have Daniel Wilson on eventually again. We'll, we'll discuss it because it is kind of an emergency type discussion. Um, which brings me, I should be doing soon, if not this one, maybe the next episode. Um, the state of the industry, the state of uh, entertainment. Because it is an emergency. And it is in trouble. And there's a lot of ins and outs, a lot, a lot of what have you's about the writer's strike and all that kind of stuff. Again, I'll, I'll offer my unique perspective. <laughs> I don't think it's that stuff because I want to get the reviews done. So let me go into the reviews. Mission Impossible. Uh, Dead Reckoning. And I uh, went in this. I, I'm like, 
right, can't wait. And uh, I went to go see it on IMAX, all right. Went to go see it on IMAX. I think I even got the big popcorn and, I, and the pop and all that. I did it that for this one and Oppenheimer. And um, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stunts. Uh, the motorcycle stunt you see in the previews and all that. Uh, I see a, you've, I've seen most of it by now, uh, or before I went to go see it, I mean. Um, it's still, it's cool. It's still cool to watch, although, you know, it's pretty much been spoiled. Um, one of the things I was talking to a friend about is that this feels more Bond. This feels, I guess, more satisfying uh, in this genre than the last Bond did. Although the last Bond was good. I, I do, I mean, it was good to a point. I did enjoy it. I did. There are some good parts in it, but I felt that the ending stood out so much and uh, uh, No Time to Die that it just kind of, uh, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. In this, at least you feel that Tom's committed. Uh, he's happy about being there. He wants to do it. He wants to give you a thrill ride. He's not going to, he's not going to do something to the character that doesn't feel, un, doesn't feel uh, untrue. Uh, in some way, uh, I don't feel kind of betrayed watching it. Um, so there is a lot to, to to take in there about the Mission Impossible franchise. I like the return style-wise to the first movie, like his haircut, Ethan's haircut, and he even wears the black leather jacket he had in the first one. Because um, I like the first one a lot. And because he had the great Brian De Palma doing that one, and well, there's uh, I'm going to do spoilers here on both movies, so hope you've seen them. Uh, there's a thing, uh, I guess, the main baddie in this, and I, I I'm going to talk about this. This is fascinating. The main baddie in this isn't really a dude, although the guy that plays I can't remember the actor's name. He's been in movies here and there this is kind of like his big villain moment here which is cool because he's been in movies for a while having secondary parts or supporting parts so this is neat um i cannot think of the actor's name unfortunately but he is this guy is kind of being he's a front for this ai program uh that's running the show and um well, the beginning, you know, it's the set up the beginning in the sub underwater. Um, uh, they think that, that they're going to get shot or something like that for uh, uh, this, this Russian sub. And this missile turns around uh, like they think that, yeah, the sub disappears or going to collide into this other sub, but they don't. So they shoot a missile and the, the missile goes through the fake sub because they think the sub's coming at them and it's going to attack them. And then their missile turns around and it they blow themselves up with their own missile. And on in their submarine is a like a new a, an, a, an AI nuclear uh, bomb or some sort of reactor or something like that. And there's these keys that look like a cross that you need to combine or whatever to open it up and to activate it. And, but the keys are left 
underwater. One of them's around the neck of one of the guys, uh, and you know they're all blown up. So the whole movie is the MacGuffin is to get these keys that activate this AI nuclear center that's still alive or something like that in the sub, and and so the the somehow this AI this guy's working for this AI thing that's. Uh, so there's going to be, this is only a part one. So the part two, hopefully is going to explain a lot more. Um, but the whole thing is that Ethan has to find this key and he's got to get, make sure the key is in the right hands and all this stuff. And this, the whole thing is pretty much him just getting the key and making sure it's in his hands and not someone else's. And for a plot kind of that simple, there's a lot of talking in it. I mean, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of exposition. And it's like, I don't feel we need that much exposition. Like, again, one of the things is that a trend I've been noticing lately is that movies are going for two hours and 30 minutes or more. And this is a two hour and 30 minute movie. And I felt the last movie, Rogue Nation, was a little too long too. Uh, as you can recall, if you listen to my commentary on it, I didn't even finish it. <laughs> or I should say Tom Cruise didn't finish uh, the commentary. So you get half commentary there. Because uh, I just, I couldn't get through. It was either probably July where it was hot and I was tired. And I just, uh, yeah. But anyway, um, I, I think I also run, ran out of room on the... Uh, uh, on the bandwidth uh, at Podbean. So I think that was part of it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of talking, but there's some good parts. There's some fun parts. Uh, there's a great train sequence um, that, that uh, they, it goes off the cliff, cliff uh, and trailer by trailer is going off slowly and they have to kind of jump and climb to each trailer and, and to get out, away from it. It's pretty cool. And there's a lot of practical effects. A lot of CG didn't... St there's some CG, but it didn't stand out like the last one. The last couple of movies have some... You could tell CG pretty bad. But some good, really good stunt work. There's a lot of running in it. Tom Cruise is running a lot. And they know it. It's like we have to have some running shots. There's plenty of him running, which is funny. Because they're kind of self-aware now, but... So make doesn't make it quite as funny, but it's still funny. I still enjoy the running. Um, so, what's her name gets involved? Uh, Haley Atwell, and she's a thief, and she gets involved, and she's caught up, and I think they're in Italy or something like that. And there, there's a, so, a whole bunch of driving sequences where they're evading, and that was really good because it was mostly it seemed practically done for the most part. Um, so I enjoyed that. She was good, and she's kind of like the new girl, and, uh, what's her name? The British, uh, girl, you know, she gets taken out in this kind of a twist of fate thing where, um, she has to fight the main villain on a bridge, and the, the villain makes Ethan choose, and Ethan's trying to get there and save her in time, but he can't because he's, she's, He's fighting this uh, this girl in, in the alleyway that's good with the sword. And he doesn't make it in time. So it's kind of very reminiscent of the first movie with the bridge. Um, something happens at the bridge, I think. But 
where he's trying to make it in time, but people are getting killed off. There's a whole backstory with him uh, that they introduced when he was younger, before he joined IMF, why he joined IMF. And it's basically he, he owed he owed the government because he got in trouble. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a... It does... Someone mentioned this in one of their, their reviews. It feels kind of like now we're going into that, seven movies later. It's like that should have been established <laughs> way before. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it felt a little contrived. But anyway, well, well the whole damn thing's contrived, but... I, just, I shouldn't say that. Someone said that about my comedy. It's contrived. Well, no kidding, it is. I wrote it. I mean, made it up. Um, but it feels kind of fake. Uh, you don't. The believability isn't quite there. Although it seems feasible, so you go with it. Um, there's a scene with the. I was talking about the train scene, uh, where it's kind of going over train by train, and. Uh, or trailer by trailer, there's a scene where he's with the the thief girl and uh, Haley Atwell, and they're going up, and he's hanging on by one arm, and he's holding her up by one arm, and then he's about to fall, and then the chick that he fought in the alley, that had the sword, she saves him, because he he showed her mercy, so she saves him, but here's the thing, she's hanging from a who knows a pipe or something. Um, a railing, and she's she's a hundred and I don't know, hundred and eight pounds maybe. She and she's holding up Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell. That's well over. A, let's see, Tom's probably a hundred. I don't know. We'll say he's like a hundred seventy, hundred and eighty, and then Haley Atwell. That's an additional at least a hundred and. We'll say, what, 120 pounds? You know, you just do the math. It's almost uh, it's almost 300 pounds she's holding on. And plus some, the force of gravity. <laughs> and she's, she weighs a buck oh five. Okay. You do the math. It doesn't quite add up. And they don't explain how she, how she, like, she's not leveraged onto anything real good. And then they cut to the next scene where they're in the next trailer. It's like, come on. Come on, guys. Come. There's some cheating going on here. And there's another instance where some cheating going on. Um, but it's entertaining. It's fun. And there's not there's no agendas to it, which is great. And uh, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, music was good. Loud. Uh, I saw it on IMAX. The only thing I, I noticed this time, it wasn't shot on film. Uh, which is a shame because the last one looked really beautiful on film. This is the this is the the digital now. The digital age for Mission Impossible has begun, and it looks good. But again, I like the film look. I still like that. Um, some other worthy notes uh, notables is Kittredge, the guy that plays Kittredge is back, which is great. Another callback to the first movie, um, uh, and then. Uh, there's a neat scene where in the beginning where uh, Tom Ethan Hunt is in disguise and he there's some they're in some important place and oh yeah Carrie Ellis uh, El, Elways is in this and he's like in an, a room with all these important people 
and the government or whatever and talking about the IMF team and Tom's just there the whole time and you're wondering this guy's giving these weird looks it's like is this a villain he looks like a villain like a spy because the camera really you know notices him focus stays on him for a bit but I just I didn't see it coming like it just got me like, oh that's Ethan Hunt in disguise and he pulls the mask off after everyone's been gassed with this green gas and that they show in the trailers and I always thought that was like a villain that was like a villain part of the movie where the villain's gassing everybody but it's actually Tom Tom or Ethan Hunt doing that which is a neat reveal um to the movie I'm gonna give it a rating uh Hmm. I'm going to give it. Gosh, it I, it's almost a 9 out of 10. Almost. But it, I can't give it quite a 9 because I think it's a little too long. Uh, and a little too wordy. Too much dialogue. We, we could, they could have cut a good 20 minutes off. No more than that. They could have cut that off. Um, it could have been a, a bit more lean. Uh, so I'll give it an eight. And uh, again, uh, the effects uh, or the believability, it's really believable in some moments and then not believable in others. So that's why it, it's not quite a nine. But the story's, you know, good or at least good enough. Uh, everything in a, you know, high production value. And of course, good, you know, good acting. Everyone's doing their best. Supporting cast is good. Uh, Vince, Ving Rames is good. Um, everything is there that's solid. Uh, cool fight on top of the train. Um, and I'd probably go see it again. Maybe a matinee or something like that. Alright, second movie. Second movie is Oppenheimer. So, I gotta be honest. It, I get tired of driving to the theater. Uh, the IMAX theater is you know, not at like it's not like an hour away from me, but there's there could be some traffic. It could be kind of a annoying drive. I missed the exit going over there. That pissed me off. So I had to turn around. You know, it, there's the expressway, and I I'm usually really good about getting. It, you know, the the road turns into expressway. You're supposed to get off immediately on the first exit on there. I passed it up, so I had to turn around. So I was almost late for the movie, but I made it on time during the day I wanted to give myself plenty of time so I wasn't super tired out my night wasn't shot when I got out of the movie and so I went in there again IMAX I got the full popcorn I was a big glutton got the big pop and I just <laughs> and this is probably gonna be the last time I do that for quite some time first of all cause it's freaking expensive <laughs> it's very expensive uh, and but once in a while i treat myself and that's just, this is my treat so i go in there imax it, this was not the 70 millimeter i thought about doing that but i'm like ah i didn't i didn't quite get it like wait is it imax or is it 70 millimeter so i just went with the imax and uh so i, I i'm watching it the first i'd say the first hour is a slow burn you know it sets up uh, Oppenheimer's relationships with people and it builds him up as a character who he is a little bit and the main the main plot of the movie like okay uh, we got to do something we got to build something here 
that's going to end the war. And we know about this. And, and, and you know, there's now talk about a lot of dialogue. There's tons of dialogue in this. It's so dialogue heavy. Which I like dialogue. It does move things forward. But unless you're David Mamet, okay, unless you have a real knack for how words flow and phrases and everything has a good narrative, you know, very lean and effective, um, it's tough for me to get wowed by the dialogue. Unless it's really witty, um, funny, like kind of like a Coen Brothers style thing um this was a lot of talking <laughs> um it's a drama it's an intimate what this guy what's going through his head and what he has to deal with um and I, it was fine the first hour you go along with it because it's the first hour and you're you're getting invested in everything and they show okay Oppenheimer's having uh this the whole story is told kind of jumping around a little bit, but it's not too bad. It's not like Memento or something, but, it, you know, it goes back and forth a little. And he's all obsessed about atoms and positrons and electrons and all that stuff. And there's some cool stuff he's doing with the abstract visuals of that, you know, the Chris Nolan. And that's neat. And the sound is pretty good. Um... Once in a while, I'll cut to look like fire of an explosion and all that. Um, and then the second hour, because this is a three-hour movie. Second hour, it's okay. Uh, this is the bomb. We're gonna. Um, this is how we're gonna make it. Here are these other scientists. Oh, there's some ego clashing there. Um, but Cillian Murphy is solid. They're, like everyone's saying, he's solid in this. This is his time to ch to shine. In the, in the lead role, and he, he delivers. He is probably the, one of the best things about the movie is his performance in this, and him kind of going through, what am I doing? And it's like, uh, this is a lot of responsibility kind of kind of thing going on, and um, is this the right thing to do? And Matt Damon is in it, and he's good. He plays like the, the main general guy. I can't remember how the ranking goes here. I can't think of right now. There's a certain title to Secretary of Defense or something like that. And uh, there's a, a, the conversation, really, the, it's the conversation between him and Matt Damon that makes a difference. That is the real thing of the movie. Now, Morton Downey Jr. is the guy that, no, Morton Downey, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> that shows my age a little bit. Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> was a talk show host. <laughs> like Donahue back in the day who rarely gets talked about anymore <laughs> like a Jerry Springer kind of character rest in peace Jerry Springer boy that's an end of an era um, uh, also rest in peace Paul Rubens who I'm going to talk about him in the next podcast That that's I'm heartbroken over that that's sad um, but anyway I got to stay focused here I can't believe that it's happened, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll go into that for next one. But um, Robert Downey Jr. hires Oppenheimer for the project, for the Manhattan Project and all that. But really we find out, and this is spoilers, that he was kind of setting them up. Um, 
it feels kind of JFK at a point where there's just kind of jumping back and forth between him setting them up and you know him being the Oppenheimer being the fall guy and they you know that plays into the last hour of the movie and the best part of the movie is the middle the second act because that's what it's all about him putting the bomb together and he gets all the scientists together he meets Einstein they have a little conversation and uh, and yeah, they, they he, he they they put the he puts the bomb up and the music's really good, good haunting music from ha- not not Hans Zimmer actually, another guy, uh, Gregory something I can't think of his name either. But they got a guy that does good really good music in this, very similar to Hans though. Um, so uh, yeah. They blow, they explode the the bomb, and they're on the bunker there, and and uh, it's an interesting choice how he does this explosion. Okay, it doesn't seem like CG, but when we see the explosion, it's kind of underwhelming. It doesn't seem like the big mushroom cloud that we see in the newsreels and all that. It seems kind of like a a minor. A big, really big explosion, but not anything like that. So the sense of scale isn't really there. Um, but the reaction to it's really good. It, it, it goes off, but then you don't hear the sound wave, any sound from it. So like, I don't know, like two minutes go by. Then they hear, then you hear the sound wave and it like, you know, br- you know, bu- busts everything up and all that. Um, so to me, that was, I guess he was going, no one was going for kind of a more of a realistic kind of tone, but I thought, ah, that maybe could have been done a little bit bigger. Um, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's a stylistic choice. Let's just leave it at that. Is it effective? Sure, it's effective, but it, for an IMAX movie, I felt a little underwhelmed. Uh, but anyway, and, you know, so he goes in and they, they talk about, okay, there's some more back and forth and, uh, and with Matt Damon and, uh, and all like pretty much next day, it's like, okay, we got, we got the other one. We're going to send it off. And before you know it, it's being sent off to go to, you know, Hiroshima and uh, not another one for Nakasagi and all that stuff. But, um, so the last hour, so, is him kind of like realizing, oh my gosh, they sent off the bombs already. And, uh, but there's a missed opportunity. Like there's a there's dialogue in this where he's talking and, uh, you know, he, he uh, what is it? Um, Osmandias. There's a whole thing about Osmandias that he, he you know, here comes the, uh, He's quoting the uh, the Gava the I can't even think of this now. Bhagavad, how do you say that? Bhagavita or whatever. Bhag Bhagavita. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's the in basically like the Indian Bible, the Bhagavita, the Bhagavita. <laughs> Ah, it's just it's not happening with me here tonight folks i've heard it hundreds of times now i can't even say the, the word right 
Bhagavita. Inagata Devita. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, here I come the the uh, the killer of worlds and and all. Let's see if I. Well, I'm, I'm not going to bring that up because I I, I want to keep the show lean. But there's a it's a popular clip where he's quoting that Bhagavita. <laughs> Bhagavita. Uh, and here I come the 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 killer of worlds and he, it's it's a famous black and white clip he doesn't say it in the movie and, and, and the quote comes up but it's when he's having sex with this uh uh what's your name uh florence Pugh or whatever and um and there's there's a an interesting gratuitous sex scene in the movie which i didn't see coming which <laughs> is kind of it was weird. I, I wasn't expecting that. I don't think the movie really needed it, honestly. Uh, Florence by Florence Pugh. She was good in it. She was good in the, in the movie. And uh, but again, there's a lot of extraneous stuff. The last hour goes into the repercussions of it, which is fine. That's good. That's important too. But did we need that much of it? No. I'd say we needed 20 minutes tops. And the movie goes into a whole hour of Robert Downey Jr. just everything blowing up in his face, and he's he was a salesman or something, and he doesn't want to go back to that. He's got power uh, working with the White House and all that, and there's a lot, a lot of characters in the movie. There's a lot of talking, um, so it's like, yeah, that's too much. Uh, and uh, so that there you go. Uh, I would say it's a it's a very well shot movie. The music is fantastic for what it is. Um, there's a you know it, it's a good story, and uh, you know I'm into it the first hour or two, but then you start to fade out a little bit. You start you know I start to think about my own problems. There are there's some good emotional stuff in it. But it's it's not very. It's emotional if you want to take in the impact of it yourself. If you really want to be like, I can't believe this many people died, and uh, it was it was you know it was. There's some good questions like how it was discussed uh, by the people that were calling the shots, and what towns got, what cities got bombed, and which didn't. It's fascinating, disturbing. Um, and so it's good that it gives you those questions. There's a great scene here. This is spoilers too, uh, where he Oppenheimer meets uh, Harry Truman, and Truman is played by Gary Oldman, and Gary Oldman is is just kind of like, well, this is Oppenheimer is like he's been feeling kind of bad about it and everything, and and uh, Truman's like, well, pff, it's like you're gonna be a crybaby about this. Come on, it's like, uh, you know. Really, it just seems like it is really Truman's choice. You know, I, that's what I've gotten from history so far. It's like he was the dude that called the shot. So it's, you know, Oppenheimer takes, although Oppenheimer takes his guilt on about it. Um, but it's a good scene. And he kind of, he throws him out a little bit of the room because he's like, well, you're just being kind of weak because, you you know, you have symphony. Sim I can't even say this now. Symphony, symphony bar, because you have symphony bar over them. 
sympathy. You have sympathy for them. Uh, your bleeding heart, in other words. And uh, uh, so I'm going to give the movie. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. And that's what it's getting. It's a good movie overall. But again, a lot like Mission Impossible. It's too long. And they could have trimmed a good, at least a good 20 minutes off. At least. And again, it, you, there's not enough scenes where it's like, where you feel like you're escaping from reality. It's just kind of like, well, it's because it's very talky and there's a lot of things in it that are just like, I don't know, you zone out a little bit, but it would have been better if it was shorter. Masterfully shot, yes. I would have liked to seen the 70 millimeter, but is this a movie to watch again? Not on the big screen. You do not need to see it on IMAX, in my opinion. Not really. Um, I don't really regret it too much, but I feel kind of let down that there weren't more IMAX-y shots in it. Uh, so I'm kind of going to take it easy on the IMAX for now on. Um, and the huge popcorn and pop. Uh, and there you go. So they're both eight movies. Um, I'd say Mission Impossible is a little closer to nine. So maybe an 8.9, 8.8. Um, two reboot movie reviews in one sitting in studio. I hope you enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, in the next episode, hopefully if I remember, I jot it down, will be the state of the industry. And that's the entertainment industry which I'm going to probably touch on comics as, comics as well. Um, I'm going to talk about some what's going on in my life that has maybe, maybe ties into that, maybe the direction uh, that it will take now because of the things that have happened in the entertainment in industry as well as Paul Rubens. So with that, I will lead you all, leave you all, leave you adieu, and uh, may you all have long days and pleasant nights.